1: welcome welcome smelly people in the office it's the improbable research podcast i'm mark abrams editor of the magazine annals of improbable research this is all about research that makes people laugh then think If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, Improbable.com. Here is fluid dynamicist and creator of the website FYFD, Nicole Sharp. Smelly people in the smelly office with Improbable Dramatic Readings by Nicole Sharp. Today, we're going to explore the concept of corporeal porosity. Perhaps you've never heard of corporeal porosity. Very likely you've never heard of corporeal porosity. Almost certainly you've never heard of corporeal porosity. You're going to hear a lot about it in the next few minutes. The concept of corporeal porosity was introduced to the world not long ago in a 21-page long study.
0: Smell Organization, Bodies and Corporeal Porosity, an office work by Kathleen Riach and Samantha Warren, published in a journal called Human Relations in 2014.
1: Riach and Warren, who are based at Monash University in Australia and at the University of Essex in the UK, use a lot of words that seem complicated. But what they're aiming to do might seem simple.
0: This is a qualitative study of everyday smells in UK offices.
1: You just said that this is a qualitative study of everyday smells in UK offices? That's correct. This then is a study of everyday smells in UK offices, the qualitative study, no measurements involved of those smells, the qualitative study of what's smelly day to day in offices in Britain.
0: We develop the concept of corporeal porosity as a way of articulating the negotiation of bodily integrity in organizational experience. We explore the corporeal porosity of workplace life through smell oriented interview and diary-based methods, and our findings highlight the interdependence of shared personal, local, and cultural elementals when experiencing smell in office-based work.
1: Riak and Warren educate us further about their concept, the concept they call corporeal porosity.
0: Corporeal porosity captures the entanglement of embodied traces and fragments, corporeal seeping and secretion that has hitherto taken a backseat in organizational studies of the body at work.
1: Thanks to Riyak and Warren, corporeal seeping and secretion
0: managed to get out of that back seat and take a front seat. The olfactory process occurs within milliseconds, and its immediate and intimate connection to memories or emotions has contributed to its reputation as a potent sense. The opportunity to influence stakeholder behaviors via smell has not been lost on marketers, commerce, or institutions.
1: Riyak and Warren reduce the whole thing to three questions. These three questions may be new to you. It may take a moment or so for you to grok them.
0: Question one. How does smell engagement constitute or reproduce relations between workers, co-workers, and their surroundings? Question two. In what ways is smelling situated in or abstracted from the propinquities of organizational life? Question three. And to what extent does smell provide a means of understanding the often unspoken dimensions of porous bodies working alongside other porous bodies?
1: The word propinquity, all 11 letters of it, P-R-O-P-I-N-Q-U-I-T-Y, is part of the professional lingo that some psychologists use to talk with each other. It means the closeness between people, the psychological closeness between them, or the physical closeness between them, or the kinship closeness, or even the closeness in some other way that makes sense to psychologists who use the word propinquity to talk with each other. It's an old word. Shakespeare used it. Some psychologists feel a propinquity with Shakespeare. The task Riach and Warren assign themselves is not easy. They make clear that it's not easy. They try to explain to us, their readers, that it's not easy easy.
0: While recognizing the limitation of extracting smell from the multi-sensory context in which it is experienced, we believe focusing exclusively on smell prevents it from being marginalized by other senses that are either perceived as more accessible and communicable between individuals or easier to articulate owing to the vocabularies that surround them.
1: It's a lot of words, no?
0: It's a lot of words.
1: Riach and Warren lament that most scholars who study workplaces or study the people who work in workplaces do not study smell, especially do not study the smell of the people who work in the workplaces.
0: Studies that do address smell are concentrated in areas where the work is viewed as explicitly bodily, including sex work, care work, and food service industries, and mainly emphasize bodily regulation and conduct.
1: Riach and Warren rejoice that they are not limited by the old traditions not in theory
0: the potential for organizational researchers to take the sense of smell seriously in order to explore the invisible sensual aspects of organizational behavior has become more theoretically feasible
1: more theoretically feasible you say
0: more theoretically feasible
1: The longest portion of RIOC and Warren's report is called Smell and Intercorporeal Inhalation. It tells how RIOC and Warren gathered all their data from 14 British-born office workers.
0: 1. We videotaped smell interviews. Average length? 62 minutes, that began with initial dialogue about participants' experience of smell at work, followed by a more focused discussion using mouliettes, paper strips, impregnated with office smells such as coffee, sweat, and office furniture. How do they spell that word moulettes? M-O-U-L-I-E-T-T-E-S. Two, we had each office worker keep Audio Smell Diaries, recorded over a period of one working week whenever the participant encountered a smell episode they wish to note.
1: A smell episode?
0: A smell episode. Like when your coworker makes popcorn in the microwave.
1: Riok and Warren see or smell great value of some sort in what they have done.
0: While our study is empirically limited to our 14 participants' specific biosocial experiences in a particular time and space, we nonetheless contend that our findings might be relevant to the experiences of other office-based workers, given that our research focuses on the more mundane and everyday smellscapes of white-collar work rather than the manual or physical occupations and jobs often aligned with stronger odors. Our sample was deliberately drawn from a range of fairly typical white collar work settings where the physical office architecture routinely brought participants into sensory proximity with coworkers and their smells.
1: Sensory proximity with coworkers and their smells? They mean people who are working in cubicles. What did REOC and Warren say they discovered?
0: Participants identified themselves and colleagues as responsible for minimalizing smell that may detract or distract from the primary task of labor, even if the smell was not directly caused by them. Examples included getting rid of unpleasant smells made by people, such as from food being prepared or the smell of toilets. On a personal odorizing level, participants also referred to choosing a quantity and strength of perfume and aftershaves that would fit within or enable a return to the apparent neutrality of the workplace.
1: Individuals, Riok and Warren explain, had their own particular ways of personal odorizing.
0: Personal odorizing practices were undertaken to avoid bodily invasions that would mark both the organizational smellscape and particular people. Having
1: explained that to us, Riyak and Warren then dive into deep intellectual fragranto depths.
0: We do not know for whom we smell or why we engage in smelling or particular odorizing practices, ourselves or someone else. As an active sensory creating subject, reodorization enabled bodies to blend into each other through displaying smells that were deemed non intrusive. In this sense, cultural permeability was pervasive. Cultural permeability? Cultural permeability. Pervasive? Certainly.
1: Even if you don't understand what that means, you can perhaps smell that there's a yin and a yang to the whole thing. The yin.
0: On the one hand, the importance of living smells that were actively of the body, produced by bodies, and experienced between bodies and the spaces they inhabited, constituted an important dimension of organizational interaction.
1: And the yang.
0: Yet some practices also formed an important role in regulating and subsequently suppressing the distinctly human excretions of our bodies, including sweat, breath, and wind. Sensory regulation thus formed part of the work involved in being a professional body, constituting the experience of organization itself. Have you ever been involved
1: in a project like the one described in this study? Not even remotely. Let's finish with Riyak and Warren's key thought. Or perhaps it's an entire philosophy, and perhaps it's something even grander than that. Anyway, whatever kind of thing it is, here it is.
0: The complex negotiations when outing another person's smell were delineated between specific organizational cultures and the intercorporeal necessities of inhalation. However, accounts suggested that the act of self moderating the smells that one causes or excretes was itself framed as a moral imperative.
1: Corporeal porosity?
0: Corporeal porosity.
1: Porosity that is corporeal?
0: Corporeal porosity.
1: Porosity. The word porosity. What does porosity mean? It's a technical word, isn't it? It is. And what is the usual meaning of porosity? Who who uses it?
0: It's used in a number of fields. It comes up a lot, for example, in geology or in uh, oil extraction. It also comes up in fluid mechanics, but it's a ratio between the volume of empty spaces and the total volume of something. So if you have a rock that's a porous rock. It has a lot of empty spaces in it. And so it'll have a higher value of porosity than solid granite, say.
1: Have you ever seen that word porosity used in a study of people?
0: No, I haven't.
1: Having looked at this study now, would you say that this study has uh, some degree of porosity itself?
0: In a figurative sense.
1: You would not want to attach a number to it?
0: Porosity is usually measured somewhere between zero and one. I think I might put this a little closer to one.
1: You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a genuine episode of the Improbable Research podcast. If you are afflicted with smelly people in your office, good luck. I invite you to subscribe to our magazine, the Annals of Improbable Research. Six new issues a year. Get yourself some back issues, too. If you go to our website, you can get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes, upcoming events, uh, what's in the back issues of the magazine, and about how you can help and be part of it, all via our Patreon, and all this stuff is on our website at improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant. Next time on this podcast, we're going to look at something or other. Until then. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>